I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, consistency in performance, how to keep change and new behaviors on track using success indicators. A few years ago, one of Europe's largest car insurance companies did a survey of driver dashboards. They took the 15 best-selling cars and the survey identified a total of 19 different symbols on those dashboards. The survey also found that of the 99 different symbols, only 12 symbols are consistently the same in all of those 15 models. What's interesting is the follow-up research that the car insurance company did with its customers, the car drivers. They asked drivers what the most common warning lights were. So these are the symbols for the engine, the oil, the battery level, and so on. And they asked drivers simply to explain what the warning light means. Amazingly, 46%, that's almost half of the drivers, did not know what the basic warning lights meant. And nearly all of those drivers continued driving with the warning lights on for 12 days on average, which doubled their car repair costs. So ignorance is widespread when it comes to data, and ignorance increases costs, in this case, the car repair costs. One of two things is happening here. Either most drivers don't understand, or the car manufacturers are giving us too much data. I guess the ultimate question is, does all this data, do these symbols improve drivers' decision-making capability? The research clearly suggests that it doesn't. When I look at the detail and design that's gone into those dashboards with key success indicators for change, I'm often reminded of the car insurance company and their drivers not knowing what it meant. The ideal way to get consistency and performance comes from taking a few powerful indicators, making sure everyone understands them, and using them consistently. Unfortunately, most companies, like those drivers, either have too much data or they don't understand what the data shows. I know some skeptics would ask, well, why bother with success indicators? Well, here's why. If we directly involve managers and employees in a change project, that has positive effects. At the end, people are feeling proud, they're feeling valued at work, and they're more motivated with their work. So these positive feelings will typically peak at the end of the formal change management project. That's the time where you need these indicators. That's the time when people are feeling highly motivated. And if it's gone well, they're even feeling euphoric about the future. Success indicators help us to support the implementation and maintain the motivation. And it's that that creates the consistency in performance. What we're aiming to do is select a handful of statistics which are relevant and meaningful to your specific business situation. Because what we want is good quality evaluation of performance. We want evaluation based on information which comes out of data. What we don't want is evaluation based on a totally subjective opinion coming out of pure guesswork. Given these two options, data or guesswork, as executives we will always go for the first option data leading to information, leading to good quality evaluation. So I'm going to share with you six great tips for using indicators. Number one, understanding. Ensure that statistics are well understood 
by managers. If change involves people, those statistics need to be understood by the internal customers, by HR, by the functional heads and by global heads. Number two, indicators and their limitations. Data analytics rarely tell the whole story. They tell 80% of the story at best. The other 20% is the black box of change. That's the area where we can't specifically map behaviors into a specific business outcome. So success indicators are a measure of progress towards the objectives and towards the business outcomes. Number three, the context. The context is important because we have to realize that success indicators can be situationally dependent. They depend on the culture of the company or organization they're being used in. The key point is that everyone agrees on who is doing the measuring, how they're doing the measuring, what the metric tells us, and its inherent weaknesses. Number four, use a combination of success indicators. The most advanced companies I work with use a clever combination of intangible and tangible indicators. So tangible indicators are, for example, higher cross-functional sales or higher profit per unit. You can see, yes or no, black and white, whether that indicator has been achieved. In contrast, intangible indicators are, for example, fewer conflicts between business units or higher motivation. The decision about whether there are fewer conflicts or higher motivation is a subjective one. That said, tangible indicators can be every bit as important as more intangible indicators. And it's using a combination of both and a range that the clever companies are using. Number five, never be happy with this statement. Don't worry, it's not important because it can't be measured. Well, find out how important it is because that will dictate your success. It is no use somebody saying they want fewer conflict or better collaboration or more cooperation and then having no idea of what that actually means. No success indicators mean we have no agreed way of defining success or indeed no agreed way of defining failure. Number six, connect it to the business aims. This is the most important tip. Whichever success indicators we use, there must be a clear connection to what we are trying to achieve in the business. So it's vital that before the change starts, we ask questions about success indicators. Find out how you'll know when the business goals have been achieved. Get the people at the top, the people who are driving this, the people who are accountable for this to use indicators, communicate those and cascade them down throughout the organization. For intangible indicators, focus on the behaviors we want to see more of or indeed less of. Alternatively, we can turn it outside in by asking customers what they would be saying about our company when we've been successful. And finally, as a last resort, ask your managers how they would know when the change project is succeeding or indeed failing badly. So those are just five ways right there that you can get into defining success indicators. And we can sum this all up with the words of Herbert Simon, a famous economist who wrote this back in 1971. He said this, what information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention of its recipients. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. And that's a beautiful phrase, the poverty of attention. Data at its best should be maximizing attention, not minimizing it. And that's something that those car designers and change leaders should be forced to read before they overload drivers and employees with data inputs and data analytics. 
If we want change to succeed, we have to start by defining our success indicators. I'm Stephen Hunt. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business. Oh,